Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. And this is Don't Miss This. We're super glad y'all are here. Okay, before we jump into the second half of Hebrews, we have a really exciting announcement for everybody because a lot of you have been asking, and it's taken a long time because we don't know what we're doing, (laughs) and we find friends who do, and they are so helpful. And And patient. Patient. Helpful and patient. Yes. And kind. Smart. And lovely. Of good report. Of praiseworthy. (laughs) We seek after them. Someone... So we have a friend who set up our podcast for us. So woo, woo, woo. Okay. We have a podcast now. By the time you watch this, it'll be up. You can you can find it on iTunes in the podcast app. And Stitcher. Or, just on, or on Stitcher. And the name of it is Don't Miss This Study. So just like our Instagram page and soon-to-be webpage, um, Don't Miss This Study. Um, and what you'll want to do if you're new to podcasts is to subscribe to it. Um, that way it just shows up every time and then when the new episodes come it'll alert you those of you who are podcast people already know that if you're not podcast people i have no idea (laughs) this is all foreign language to me but i'm glad you understand exactly what he's talking about yeah if you're not podcast people and you want to the advantage of a podcast is um that uh, it won't when you're interrupt folding other laundry, things. That's what everyone wants to complain or about when they're folding run. laundry. Yeah. <laughs> and their phone rings, and all of a sudden they lose the YouTube video. Yeah, and have to go to that. But that's the dis- never going to happen. The disadvantage of that is you don't get to see this beautiful <laughs> face. So, um, video, or if you want now, the podcast is up. Don't miss this study. So, there you go. Okay, good job. Um, all right. We are starting, uh, we're doing today the second half of Hebrews. Um, chapters 7 through 13. Remember, again, all one uh, sermon written down, but meant to be read out loud. And it's a, it was a word of encouragement, a message of encouragement to those who were living in sort of last day um, scenarios and, and situations. And so last time we looked at um, how Jesus is a fulfillment of all the Old Testament, how you can hold on to him with confidence and with hope um, uh, how he knows what we feel like and, and where we've been. He's both God Almighty and also he became human. And so we're just kind of continuing. It's all part of that same message, you know. So the first thing is, um, I almost said Paul again. The writer of Hebrews, whoever it is, whose name is probably Paul, um, talks a lot about Jesus being uh, our great high priest. So in order to understand what's happening here, you have to remember Old Testament temples, the tabernacle, and then the temple that was built in Jerusalem. And there were priests who were in charge of all the functions of the temple. And there was, at the temple, a high priest, a great high priest. And their job was to oversee the temple. Um, But they had this really specific responsibility. And that was on one day a year, on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, the priest would offer a sacrifice for and behalf the sins of all of Israel. And then with the blood of that sacrifice, he was able to go into the holy place, which is where the candlestick was and the bread and the incense altar, and then cross from there into the holy of holies, the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant would have been. Everyone, 
You're so excited for Old Testament year. Mm-hmm. This is two years that away, so I know. Jesus might be by, back by then, but we're excited for Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants, but Old Testament, this just really made me excited for that, by the way. <laughs> so one day a year, this high priest could enter in through that veil and enter, and then he would put the blood on the altar of the, um, on the ark, the horns of the Holy of Holy, to make a um, atonement, is the word that's used in the Old Testament. Um, make a restitution of sins for all of all of Israel. And you should tell, he was the only one who could do it. So and one no day a one year else only. could do it. Right. He, only that one person got to go in to that holy place, it, and it was him. And the rest of the people just had to trust him. Yeah, yeah. So he really is a walking, talking symbol of Jesus throughout the whole Old Testament. Now, some might not have seen that. So what? The writer of Hebrews is trying to talk about is Jesus is our great high priest. And he's better but, than the high priest that we that we are currently familiar with. Right. And so he's going to give a list. And so we, we got a chart on here that we got from the ESV study Bible um, that kind of compares what these Levitical high priests were like, you know, the ones that functioned in the temple, and then what Jesus is like in comparison so, for example, some of the things, like there were many of the priests that functioned in the temple, but there's just one great high priest, Jesus. These, these um, priests here were uh, temporary. They offered temporary sacrifices. So, meaning, meaning, meaning it would last for a year. Right. Once a year, and then a year later, they would have to make that same sacrifice again. Yeah, whereas Jesus' sacrifice was eternal and, and would not be temporary. And you love the line in Hebrews that tells you his sacrifice was once for all. I just love that it says that. That it just he just had to do it once and it, it was for all. It just covered everything. Right, all people. Um, so you can see the references from Hebrew are here. Uh, Hebrews are right here. And then you can read and hear what it's talking about. Um, uh, again, a difference between these were sacrifice. There were sacrifices that happened every day for the sins of the people, and then there was this once and for all. We love this one, though, where it says it, it was animals that were offered up on the altars, and, and Jesus offered up himself. And that great high priest was able to enter into the Holy of Holies because of the sacrifice of an animal. Um, Jesus was able to enter into the Holy of Holies, or what it represented, the very presence of God, the throne room of God, because of his own blood and is his own sacrifice. So this is just beautiful. There's this whole idea and concept, and you remember at the end of the new, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus is crucified, the veil on the temple that entered into the Holy of Holies was torn from the top down, meaning this was a heaven-initiated or God-initiated opening. And when Jesus died and spilt his blood on Calvary's hill, that blood opened up the veil, opened up the doorway for all people, to now be able to enter into not just the symbolic presence of God, but the actual presence of God. It was through his great and last sacrifice once and for all that all can enter you know, into that holy place. And there's some things that you love in, um, in Hebrews, in this book um, that he's going to talk about, about this high priest, and one that you'll be familiar with, where it talks about the high priest of good things to come. We love that phrase so much. There's also in um, 719, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And I just love that um, you see in this high priest, in Jesus, 
better things to come, a better hope that here was the law and this is the way they did it and it was right. Um, but this, what this high priest offers is a better hope and the promise of good things to come. And for the people who were living in that time period, those are two things that would have stood, stood out to them. Yeah, this, absolutely. Just this better hope and this promise of good things to come. Yeah, so it's great. Um, one little bonus thought because it talks about these other Levitical ones and uh, the writer says, but Jesus is um, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, um, comparing him to that great high priest Melchizedek. But the word Melchizedek in Hebrew, Melech Zedek, actually means king of righteousness. So it is this title for him. And any who follow in his footsteps are, are considered that as well, to be kings and queens of righteousness, which is really it's really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of temple symbolism in the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. So those who've been in a participated endowment sessions, as you read through this, you'll, you'll see some of that same sort of, of, sim, of symbolism that's there. So um, that's really, really cool. And he spends a lot of chapters talking about, and they were, remember, stooped in that culture. Mm -hmm. And so he was trying to help them see like, oh, you know the temple, how it functions? Let me tell you what the reality of that temple is, that Jesus offered himself instead of animals, to open up the door for all people to enter into the rest of God. And it'll be about two chapters, and there's a couple of really great lines about Jesus as the high priest in those chapters. So as you're reading through, you'll just want to watch for those descriptor verses um, that are going to teach you this. I love when he says in 8 chapter 1, now of all these things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Uh, like, this is the most important of everything. If I could tell you one thing in this whole sermon, like wake up the guy next to you, right? This is the sum. And he says, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And I just love that he's like, okay, this is the best part, everybody. This is the part you want to be paying attention to is what you're going to understand about this high priest um, who has brought this promise of good things to come. Yeah. So that kind of, uh, right when he like gets through talking about him as the great high priest, you have to add that to everything that we talked about last week. And all together, he's like, this is what Jesus is like. Remember, he is king. He's, um, uh, God spoke through prophets. Now he's speaking through his son. He knows what our experiences are like. He has all power. He is the great high priest. He opened up the door for us. And then you get to this section at the end of chapter 10. Mm -hmm. Well, actually... Right in the middle, let's start with that one in the middle that is so good because we talked last week about the verse that we loved um, in chapter four, come boldly, mm. um, that you you can approach that the throne of grace boldly and know that you are gonna find help in time of need. And um, he, he circles back around to that in 10. So in 1019, he just says, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And the holiest meaning that holiest place, right? Mm -hmm. So he's referring to the temple again. Yep. And then in 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Like he's giving people so much encouragement right here and confidence and don't be afraid to enter into this um, relationship yeah. because of the blessings that are going to come. Um, and then, and then he gets to this part that we love in 35. Is that where you were going to go? Yeah. And it's all based off of, of Jesus, right? So everything that Jesus has done and everything that Jesus is should give you encouragement and should give you confidence to now draw near and hold fast verse 23 mm -hmm. to our faith without wavering. And this is where like the whole 
you know, that this is the hinge point of the whole chapter. Is all this before was about him, and now from 11 on, it's like, okay, if Jesus really is that, if he then. really is that good, then what about for us? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and verse 35, he says, okay, so cast not away, therefore, your confidence. You can live faithfully because you have Jesus that you're trusting in. You are sprinkled with his holy blood. Like, you can enter in boldly because of him. And you love in 37, he's like, just cast not away there for your confidence for just a little while. And then he that shall come will come. Um, that you're, he's, yeah. he's about going to come. Yeah. That was 2,000 years ago. So everyone, <laughs> he is about going to come right now. You love that after general conference um, when President Nelson spoke and then he said he had the, who's better at cliffhangers than President Nelson? Let's just say that. <laughs> and the moment when he was like, you can't wait to see what is going to happen in April. And our friend Nish, who is a Christian, uh, but loves to watch General Conference, texted me and said, I think he's going to announce the Independence Temple in (laughs) April. And I texted back and said, or Jesus. Go for, go big, right? Well, this person said... He's coming soon. Yeah, so, you love that. It's just not. Just, you just have to do it for a little while because he that shall come will come, and he's not going to tarry. He says, yeah. "Who loves that part? Yeah. He might come in April." So, hold on to your confidence, he says, and he says, and now it's time to live by faith, and almost gives like this mission statement for the people of that time. In verse thirty-nine, he says, "Well, in thirty-eight, he's like, look, you can either draw back, or you can live by faith. Those are your options." And then he speaks for everybody. In 39, he says, but we are not of them who draw back. We are of them that believe. Oh, who loves that line so much? We are not of them that draw back. Um, I just, I love the thought of that. We, um, my daughter Grace had some friends, a group of them who were all soccer players. They were all on the high school soccer team. And um, I had the opportunity to teach them. And so we would go to a lot of the soccer games and um, I watch soccer a little bit, but not like a ton. And here is the thing that frustrates me about soccer. Everyone who's a soccer player, you know what I'm talking about. You work so hard to get the ball down there. You have the ball. You are in control of the ball. And then for some reason, someone takes the ball and they kick it back. And you have to start all over again. (laughs) They come clear from the back and they start over and they get right to the goal. And then they start over again. And I finally told the boys, listen, I cannot come to any more games. It gives me so much anxiety every time you go back. And then I found this scripture when we were studying. And I was like, give this scripture to your coach. This, I want this to be your thing for the rest of the year. We are not of them that go back. Do not go backwards. Go forwards. That's what I want you to do. Every soccer player right now is like, oh my. Okay, we are going to, that's our new goal. Our new goal is to never let them kick the ball. Like, that would be a great goal. Be a great way to play. Listen, it's their own team. It's not the defense who's sending the ball back. Wait, it's, it's the offense. It's strategic. It just They're sending me it crazy. backwards for strategy. Okay, no one but can play soccer in my in, family. In, in faith matters, though. We're not of them that draw back. Um, but we are of them that believe. And we can have that kind of confidence. It's not in us. When we say that, it's not like, because I'm so strong, because I've mm-hmm. trained, because I'm, because I'm the best. It's, look, I've spent 10 chapters teaching you about how good Jesus is and, and, and all his 
all the doors he's opened up for you. So and his now. greatness yeah. and his ability to come to where you are and the fact that he is this high priest who is going to allow you back into the presence of God. And right. I mean, he, he's told you everything you need to know. So now that you have all that information. How are you going to live? How are you going to live knowing that about Jesus? And he says, let's live faithfully and let's not draw back and, and let's believe and so chapter 11, Hebrews 11, is one of the greatest chapters in all the New Testament. Well, and I think in before you the... introduce it, pause for yeah. just a minute, because... Uh, okay, it was good pausing. Because I think it is important when you read this, but we are not of them that draw back, but of them that believe. Um, there's such an important question to ask right there, which is this. What does it look like to believe? Hmm. Um, and Paul's not talking about little belief. You're going to see on this chart, he's talking about believing big. That's what he's going to tell you. And I sometimes think to myself, were there people in the gospel doctrine class when the sermon was being read that were like, yeah, but what do you mean by belief? Right? What do you mean? Yeah. And Paul's like, okay. And then? And then chapter, chapter 11. 11, right? And the first thing he wants to talk about at the very, very beginning of it is this great verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith, right? Now all of a sudden faith kind of becomes this synonym for belief, right? Mm -hmm. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, other words for substance, this is so awesome, are um, to taste the things that you've hoped for or experience the things that you've hoped for and uh, to be assured of things, the evidence of things not seen. The first thing he's trying to say is belief is not being gullible. Faith is not just somebody saying, well, um, you've got nothing to show for this, so just believe in some you know, whimsical tale. He says, no, 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 no. Faith and belief is based off of experience. Mm -hmm. It's based off of something I've tasted. It's based off of something I've, I've been involved in. And with that as my confidence, mm -hmm. I then move, move forward. forward. And I love that he uses two different words here that become important for faith because he tells you faith is going to be the substance or the assurance or the evidence uh, or the, not the evidence, the substance or the assurance or the experiences of things that are hoped for. So you can have faith in future things, things that are hoped for, but it's also the evidence and evidence usually would be something that happened in the past. So He's trying to tell you, your faith is going to be based on two things. It's going to be based on, on what you're hoping for, but it's also going to be based on the evidence of what you have experienced. Right. Yeah. So then he says, for the elders, verse 2, the elders, or the ancients, for this the ancients obtained a good report, or they are our heroes because they lived in this way. They didn't just like... Like, well, faith isn't something that you, um, that you exercise when there's no answers or no nothing. Faith is something you exercise when there has been some evidence, when there has been some sort of experience, you know? And so he's going to go through all these stories. We call chapter 11 the Hall of Faith. And this is so fun because there's so many activities you can do with chapter 11 with oh, groups so and families or, or by yourself. Um, one of them might be, if, now this whole chapter is like a list of yep. like an a list of heroes. A list of heroes. We have one, two, three, four, twenty-seven. Okay, I don't even know how many <laughs> heroes and all all of their stories that are in there. So what we've done is we've put on there how you find their stories in the Old Testament. If you wanted to go and like study, you're like wait, I don't really know that person. I'd like to know more about them. Paul 
or someone else <laughs> gi- gives you, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. gives you a little like, think a little one-liner about what that person was able to do by faith. So yeah, meaning, a Twitter statement. He yeah, gives you a little like, Twitter statement. Yeah, just, if you've never heard their story before, we wrote on here the chapter... The, right here, I'm like, it's not 11. We wrote right here the chapter where that person's story is actually told in the Old Testament so that you can take that one line or that little Twitter statement about that person and you can actually go in and say, I want to know more about what this person did. Yeah. So, for example, you take somebody like Noah as one of the people in the Hall of Faith, right? He was warned of God, this is verse 7, of things not seen as yet. Like, so, like, who would even believe that the whole world was going to flood or whatever? But moving, moved with fear or respect, reverence, awe, past experience with God. That's where that past comes with him. He was moved with this relationship he already have had. He prepared an ark and then ended up saving his entire house, his, his whole family, and becomes an heir of righteousness. So... Um, he acts based off of a past experience that he's had. We wish we knew what they all were. But he had a relationship and a love for God that enabled him to step into the dark, right? And then was able to do and become this great hero of faith. Like great results happened because he was willing to step into the dark. And what we love about this list is it's not just a list of men, that there are women on this list as well. But this, this really is a list of heroes of people who knew what it meant to believe big, um, who acted on their faith, on their belief. And because of their actions, the miracles happen in their life. And we thought it would be so awesome for you to go um, find the hero, find the place in Hebrews where that hero's referenced. If you want to go back and look at an Old Testament reference. Um, But then we thought it would be awesome just to write down the lesson you learn individually from their faith. Um, as you go through each of these people, Rahab and Joseph and Moses and Gideon and Barak and all these people, and you read their stories, or even if you just read that one line, what is the lesson you learn from their faith that might help strengthen your own faith today? Um, this is like a choice of, um, you know, all, obviously people from the Old Testament, because that's all that they had. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have additional heroes from scripture, from the Book of Mormon, from the Doctrine and Covenants. So it might be kind of neat to put together, like maybe have everybody in your group, like uh, induct one person into the Hall of Faith. Yes. And say like, this is is why I think they belong in the Hall of Faith. And here's kind of the lesson, you know, from their life or whatever. And I love that um, what the writer... Get a jersey. You can get a jersey (laughs) for them. Retire their jersey. What the author does... Um, here is he's saying here let me just show you what it looks like to believe big um, in hopes that it's gonna strengthen your ability to do that and I love that when Caleb and Josh were on their missions they both had different mission presidents but both mission presidents did something similar Um, Caleb first had the opportunity to go and serve part of his mission for seven months in a country that was almost closed down And um, there was just one companionship in that country for those seven months while they were working. And before Caleb went into that experience, his mission president said to him, you are like Ammon when Mm. you go into this experience. And Caleb had written home and 
told us about that and I thought how interesting because now Caleb has someone he can look up to in a similar situation and read the story and gain ideas and insight from this hero in the scriptures and Josh's mission president did the same thing at a time in his mission there was a moment um, when he looked at Josh and said you are like Moroni right now in this moment and again he could go back and do that when um, we were growing up and then when my kids were really little I can't remember if I've talked about this or not but my mom had a Book of Mormon wall do you remember when President Benson gave the I have a dream talk about the Book of Mormon and how that was, uh, it was Martin Luther King. 89 it was I'm President Benson also it was in the 80s I feel like and um, he just talked about I have a dream that the Book of Mormon is going to be used like this and it's going to be used like this and it's going to be used like this and he gave you a list of all these ways you were going to use the Book of Mormon and one of them was that he had this dream that people were going to hang the pictures of the Book of Mormon heroes on their walls so you could see them. And so my mom did. She went and got all the pictures. She got them really nicely framed. When you walked up the stairs in our house, you saw all the people. Hmm. Like for my whole life, for all of my high school years. And then I got married. And then for all those years, well, when Caleb was three, Lehigh fell off the wall and shattered and the picture got ripped and the glass broke. And so um, my mom took the frame to get fixed, but in its place, so it wasn't blank, she hung a picture of Caleb on the wall. He was oh, three and it was just this cute. little picture. And no one really noticed, like no one said anything about it. We just, she just stuck it there. It took like two months. And then the thing got fixed and I'll never forget we walked in the house one day and we opened the door and we started walking in and Caleb started crying like he had been like stung by a bee or something like we could not figure out what was the problem and he couldn't even talk he was so upset about it when we finally got him calmed down and asked what was going on he grandma had replaced his picture on the wall <laughs> with Lehigh and he had been grandma, put taken back. down from the um from the Hall of Faith, he had been removed, <laughs> and it was devastating to him to be oh. removed from it. Um, but I just think there is power. There's power in introducing our families to these people in Scripture and letting them become real to us, and their stories become part of who we are and the conversations that we're having and how we live our life. Um, I also thought it would be really neat, once you've done this study, to sit down with your kids and say, what What if you were to look at your own life and say, I love how all these start out and you'll see, um, by faith Noah did this and by faith Abraham did this and through faith Sarah received strength and by faith Abraham this and by faith Isaac this. Don't you think it would be so awesome to look back over your whole life and be like, by faith I did this in fourth grade and by faith I did this in junior high and by faith this happened to me in high school and by faith on my mission, this and this and this. And by faith, each of my kids was born. And by faith, you know, yeah. it would be so neat to go through and just write your own list of by faith moments. And what that would look like is God asked me to do something or invited me into some, you know, something to do. I looked back on the past to give myself the encouragement to do it, to know I've tasted this, I've experienced this, I moved forward on it. And then this was the miracle. That mm -hmm. is what that pro that's how you would write that out. Mm -hmm. That's what that process yeah. would look like. And, so good. and we should say this. I love when he just says in, in 11, starting in 32, and he says, and what more can I say? For time would fail me. There's Gideon and Barak and Samson. And then he's just like, there's so many people. And then he says this, 
who started in 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That means outsiders. Everybody don't be alarmed by aliens, okay? <laughs> Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, and he, he, he kind of switches here. Not accepting deliverance, meaning they, they held through the torture without backing down, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And then he says, others had cruel mockings and scourgings and imprisonment. They were so, stoned, sawn, as, sawn asunder, tempted, slain by the sword, were destitute, afflicted, tormented. And I love in 38 when he says, of whom the world was not worthy smiley face, right? <laughs> this world was not worthy of people like this. So sometimes some of the things that you say, because he says they have obtained a good report through faith, meaning it's like they lived faithfully, even though they never received their promise. So some of the things that you might say by faith, I, it might be like, I endured through this hardship without ever receiving the promise. And he, he says one day um, they will get that promise. But some of the things people did by faith is just endured the hardships mm -hmm. of life. And we love that list at the end. We call them the, the list of the unnamed heroes. Um, it's just so fun to have. You just want to have a whole Hall of Fame night. A Hall of Faith night. That's yeah. what you want to yeah. do. Um, and Hall of Fame. And Hall of Fame. Why well, shouldn't you? Okay, what you want to remember, this is really, really important. And is when you start out like this, please. The best verse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have yeah. to start out okay. like this. The best <laughs> verse of Hebrews 11 is actually the first verse in Hebrews 12. Yeah, so whoever put chapter 12 in that spot did a bad job. Like, <laughs> I love you. Thank you. You're not watching this. You're in heaven. Thank you for putting together the chapters, but you put chapter 12 in the wrong spot because you can't end at 1140. You have to go to 1141, which is actually 12-1. Yes, that's right? what has so to So cross happen. out chapter 12 heading, you know. We don't care where you put it. Put, put it down like it... At the end, just something. it should just be going, okay? Because it says this: Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, it says, because we've got these heroes to our left and to our right, they compass about us. Yeah, that we cloud are of witnesses is chapter eleven. Right. That, you just put a little note right there. The cloud of witnesses he's talking about, that's eleven. Yeah. And they're everywhere. They're all around us. Right. We've got so many stories and we love the... Okay, okay. Let's continue the thought first. <laughs> half the thought. Because you've got... You're surrounded by all of these people of faith. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily besets us or hold us back, holds us back. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay. So because we've got all these people that like, oh man, they did it and they did it and, and they were sawn in half and, and they, and they yeah, made and it. They and they ran made it. their race. Yeah. That's what you have to remember. They ran their race. They, and they did it. And they won. Like yeah. it, was, it, it ended good. He's like, so let's be encouraged by them. Sometimes when we say, have I experienced, tasted the substance of this? Sometimes it's through someone else's story mm -hmm. that we get the encouragement to step into the dark. So another really cool thing we love to do with this chapter is for you to write your own cloud of witnesses. Who are the people you know from your life, your relatives, your friends, the stories you've heard that are people that like, man, their story actually encourages me to want to live in faith. So not just scriptural ones, but like people that you actually know too. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So to, to like, who are the witnesses that like, that, you know, surround me? Yeah, because it is in watching people who have done hard things before um, that that becomes that for us. And that becomes our own list of heroes. We have a favorite. We can't resist. This is going to be a surprise. We didn't even talk about this, but we can't resist telling the story. Someone who ran a race so well. And you're going to want to look this up. You're going to want to talk about it with your teenagers for sure. But there was this man named Cliff Young. Oh, we'll put the link in. You are so happy right now. Um, So just think to yourself, what's the longest distance you've ever run in your life or walked? We'll we'll even let you walk it. Um, Some of you might have run a marathon. You'll know a marathon is how long? 26.2. Yeah, this man ran an ultra marathon. An ultra marathon is 544 miles. It takes five to seven days to run the marathon. And... um, so everyone showed up, it was in Australia, everyone came, they had on all their, all their running clothes and their nice shoes and they had a team of people who were gonna support them on the race. And then Cliff Young showed up in his overalls and galoshes. Uh, he's just an old farmer. They asked him why he, he like, got- did he take out his teeth? Yeah, to run, because he didn't like the sound of them <laughs> clicking. Uh, they asked him why he thought he could run the race and he told them he had 2,000 acres and 2,000 head of sheep on the acres. And when a storm comes in, he has to gather the sheep and uh, he didn't have a horse or a four wheeler. And so he would just run until he got all of his sheep gathered in. And sometimes it would take him two or three days. So he figured since he could do that, he should be able to run the race. So everyone tells him that he can't do it, um, that he needs a team, that he's not wearing the right shoes, um, that it's not gonna work out. and. But when the gun goes off, he starts, everyone takes off. They are running so fast. And he has this little shuffle step that he does, and he's just doing his best to, to his run his boots, along. y'all, with his, his like, boots. rain boots. And um, how the race works, if you've never studied an ultramarathon before, is you, what you do is you just run until the sun goes down. And then when the sun goes down, you lay down wherever you are, just on the ground, and you sleep. So they run for, like, 18 hours, and then they sleep. For six until as soon as the sun comes up again and the runners stop and the camera crews stop but nobody told cliff to stop um and when he gathered the sheep he ran through the dark that's what he did he, he just ran till he got everybody gathered so he started at the back but within the first night he had passed everyone up because no one told him not to run in the dark and um he just kept running until he finally crossed the finish line i think two days before everyone else. He beat the world record um, that was had by like nine hours or something. We'll put the details in so you have the full story. And this is your favorite part. When they told him that he won, they also told him there was a monetary prize that came with it. And he said, oh, I didn't run for the money. I just ran for the joy of running. And so he went to the bank because he had time, remember? Because the next runner didn't come for like nine hours or 10 hours after him went to the bank, cashed the check, got out money, and he gave an equal share to every runner who crossed the line. (laughs) And um, you love about him that what allowed him to win that race is the fact that he was willing to run through the dark and and nobody else did that. And I love the um, message in that story, the spiritual message, because we are running our race. This is our race, we are in it. Um, what, What Noah's race was, and what Sarah's race was, that was their time and that was their race. And this is our race. And for many of us, that race is running through the darkness. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's just staying strong and steady for one reason only. Just like Cliff, just believe. He believed he could do it and he ran. 
until he crossed that finish line. And that's what's going to happen here. Um, the author's going to tell us there is the only way we are going to run the race that is set before us is through this cloud of witnesses that are all going to tell us one thing to consider. Just one thing. And that consideration is in verse 2. And he says, remember there's a comma at verse 1. Run the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end of that race. You just, you just, and you just have to run because he's already finished it. He's already won it. You just have to, you just have to run it. It's the thing that made Cliff and Sarah and, and, and Rahab and Isaac impressive is that they pressed on and they, and they just kept running. And then he says this, this is such a cool like switch. We, we look to Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. Remember that line from the cross? It is finished. Mm -hmm. He ran his race and, and he won it and he finished it and he handed out the money at the finish line to all the rest of us. You <laughs> he know, it's it 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 all of us. But it says this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, that joy that was set before him is you and I. So we look to him for for that strength and endurance to run our race but he actually looked to us for endurance to to endure the shame of of his race and um um, it might be fun to put there a little link in your scriptures um this one talks about who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross do you remember in hebrews 6 18 when it says that he is the hope that is set before us so just exactly what you're talking about um I, I love that balance between us and him. Yeah, it's like what would give him, what was his motivation for enduring the cross? He was like, oh, you, right? That's and so, and what's our a, hope? Him. Him. Um, and then you love verse 3. Again, you love that Hebrews last time ended with those two great words, even Jesus. And um, here in 12, there's two words again that are so good in verse 3. Consider him. Um I just love the thought of that. Wherever you are in your race and in those moments that are maybe hard and you're not sure you're going to be able to push through that mile, what are you supposed to do? Just consider him. Right. That's so, that's awesome. And every one of the list that's on here would have said the same thing. Every single one of them is like, yes, yes, I was, I was, I was encouraged by, and I was encouraged by, but mm-hmm. above all, he was the author. He was the finisher. I looked to him for my hope. I, I considered him. So it's just awesome. Yep, and then, so good. And then we just want to end with this. Uh, oh, man, I want to call him Paul so yeah. bad. Paul, please bless you wrote the book of Hebrews. I'll be so disappointed if you didn't. So Hebrews 13 just ends with a couple like, you know how you have to end a good. talk. Like, you end good. You, yeah. You've got that powerful ending. We had that climax there in verse 12, yeah. and then it's just like, so don't you love 13.1? So let brotherly love continue. <laughs> You know, like, it's just like, everyone's like, whoa, at the end of 12, you know, they just like, yeah, you know, you just get that moment. You're like, that'll preach preacher, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, so, so just love each other. Yeah. I'm just going to give you these little bits of counsel of which we picked three that we love so much. Right. Um, one is number two and it's because we love hospitality so much. We cannot resist this one. Um, be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware if you love that verse you might want to look up um, the rest of the hospitality verses which is exodus 23 9 and matthew 25 35 
Um, and then 13.5 is... Don't you love this one? Do you love the thought of that? Like, entertain strangers because what if, what if they're actually angels? Well, and Unaware. they will be. Don't you yeah. ever notice that the people who you have never met and you bring them into your home and sometimes those people become your greatest source of friendship, of yeah. comfort, of, of being sustained. So you just don't ever know when a stranger is going to turn into an angel yeah. unexpectedly. I was talking to someone um, today about Thanksgiving. Um, oh, what was it? Oh, because we were talking about how Jesus invites everybody to the table. And I was just saying, usually that's not the case, you know, like no one like can knock on your door and come to the Thanksgiving table, yes. you know? Yeah. And I was just saying, oh, except in Jenny's family. Like I remember marrying in Jenny's family and going for Thanksgiving dinner. And it was like, <laughs> you could bring anybody. <laughs> and you didn't and know who was going to really show didn't up. Know. You never knew. And I remember coming one time and there was this man at the table and I was just like, oh, hi. You know, and, and someone introduces like, this is Joe. We found him on Fifth South in downtown Salt Lake. And he was just this homeless man. who, And he was so delightful. Oh, had like three teeth. So awesome. And it just was like it was just loved an angel. He was our, yeah. He so was this our really angel. does come from a true story in the Old Testament when I think it's Abraham, right? Entered, yeah. um, feeds two people. And then at the end finds out that they, they were actually angels. are angels. But yeah. I like the fact that we just, you never know when someone's going to become that for you. Um, verse five, we love. Be content with such things as ye have. Again, you just hear that echo of Paul in there. Mm -hmm. Another reason why it could be Paul. I know it's him. 13.6. Oh, I love this one. Remember, we had to come boldly. And then he tells you again. Why? Go ahead and why, approach why, why? boldly. And now he's going to tell you one more time in verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. That is the best place to end. Here. Right. That's where he just like. Is going to do it. But, oh, there's one more we have to okay. end on. Sorry. Okay. And it's verse 8, which is, and don't forget, those of you who read later, that Jesus Christ, who we've read about here, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like what yeah. he did for all them. He was their helper then. He'll be your helper today. And he'll be, he'll be your helper tomorrow. Oh, so good. We love Hebrews. We A love lot. everything about Hebrews. So much. Okay. okay have a good week. Adios. We, we hope you love the podcast, everyone. <laughs> yes. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.